This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast, where we dive into the latest rumors and news surrounding Texas Rangers baseball. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lees. Today, we're diving into the latest news and opinions from around Global Life Field. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Game Time, for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking for the best place to buy your Texas Ranger tickets or tickets to your next favorite concert event, show, or even other sporting event, check out Game Time. Use the link in the description and help support the channel. And before we move on, give us a thumbs up if you like our video. Subscribe to the channel and hit the bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. Now let's get into the first topic. 2022 in review, today we're going to look at Leody Tavares. With the 2022 regular season almost over, it's time for us to go back and take a look at the players who appeared for the Texas Rangers this season. Today we look at outfielder Leody Tavares. I really want Tavares to be good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want every Ranger player or prospect to be good, or great even. It's not like there's only a few players I want to succeed, but there are certain players I find myself more emotionally invested with than others. Tavares, for whatever reason, is one of those guys. I want him to be good, and I want him to be good for the Texas Rangers. Part of this has to do with the fact that I love the really good all-around center fielder. Back in the day when the Mariners were the nemesis, I coveted Mike Cameron. I dreamed of building a team around Grady Sizemore back when he was healthy. Carlos Beltran was a platonic idea. An above average defensive center fielder who can get on base, hit for some power, and steal some bases. That's what the Rangers have rarely had in their franchise history, but that's what I dream of. And I always hoped Leody Tavares might be that guy. He won't be, of course. I mean, yeah, it's possible he could be, but realistically, he won't. The defense is there, the base running is there, but the bat hasn't developed. There is still time for it, too, of course. Leody is a victim of Martin Perez syndrome, and that he's a guy who has been touted and hyped forever, but hasn't quite lived, to it, lived up to expectations, and thus is seen as older and worse than he maybe actually is. Leody turned 24 last month. On the one hand, he's older than Juan Soto. On the under, other hand, he's younger than... Jeter Downs, Josh Jung, Josh Lowe, Andrew Vaughn, and he's just a month or two older than Drew Waters. There's still growth potential there, potential being the key word, of course. His most similar players through age 23 is a rather interesting list. 
Number two and number three are Daryl Boston and Anthony Ghost. Toolsy guys who disappointed, and I think we all hope Laoti won't end up having to convert to pitching. There's also Roy White and George Foster, both of whom went out to have great careers. And there's Cleon Jones, who had a high peak, including an MVP caliber season in 1969, but a short career. There's Elliot Maddox, a former Ranger who actually hit well one year for the Yankees and finished 8th in MVP balloting but generally was relegated to a bench or platoon role in his career because he couldn't hit enough. The faceplant Laoti did to start the 2021 season, and then his struggles at the end of the 2021 season, resulted in expectations being quite low for him in 2022. He seemed to prove the doubters wrong when he called, was called up in mid-June and plugged into the lineup. At the All-Star break, he was slashing 341. 367, 553, and there was talk that maybe he had it figured out. It was, alas, a mirage. In those 90 plate appearances, Laoti had just a 22-4 strikeout and walk rate, and the slash line was being turbocharged by a 426 BABAIP. Laoti had a rough final couple of months of the year, though it largely seemed to go under the radar, as his strong early numbers kept his overall season line largely respectable. And anyway, no one was paying much attention over the final two months of the year. But a 247, 293, 309 slash line in August was followed up with a 192, 248, 266 slash line in September. The end result for Laoti was a 261, 309, 366 slash line for the year, resulting in a 93 OPS plus and a 93 WRC C plus. His XWOBA of 270 was actually significantly lower than his actual WOBA of 297. Though his speed and approach would seem to lend itself to him being like, likely to outperform a little. Late in the year, we saw some mistakes on the base, path, base paths and in the field that led one to wonder whether his slump was getting to him. If it was the grind of a long season, if something was impacting his mental approach, he sat a little more late as Tony Beasley tried to figure out how to get Laoti straightened out. Oddly, his defense, which is the one thing everyone seems to agree is very much his strength, had varying grades from the different systems. Fangraphs had Laoti at a 1.2 F4 for the year, while his B war was at 0.8. Laoti, being a roughly one-win player in 341 plate appearances, is okay, I guess. It equates to a guy who you see as a 1.5 to 2-win player as a regular. That's not a black hole, but it is a performance that would lead you to be looking for an upgrade of the position. In regards to 2023, the expectation is that Laoti will be the team's starting center fielder. The Rangers already have a hole in left field and no real definitive answer at DH. So Laoti seems likely to have the role by default for now. Yes, the Rangers are going to be aggressive buyers this offseason, and Adolis Garcia could move to center field but they are unlikely to go out and get two starting outfielder DH types, particularly given the prioritization of the starting rotation. But the Rangers are going to want to see more production from the center field position in 2023. One possibility would be having Laoti sit against lefties. Against him, he put up a 227 XWOBA in 2022 while slashing 264, 313, and 330. At first blush, the solution would seem to be seem to be to have the right-handed hitting Bubba Thompson platoon 
with Leoti, although Bubba only had a 248 against lefties himself in 2022. It was an important season for Leoti, and he did take a step forward, showing enough to suggest he can be a viable major league player. The question now is whether his bat will progress to the point that you can feel comfortable making him your everyday center fielder for the next half decade, or whether he's going to be a role player who might end up with a starting job some years, but who is never going to be viewed as a long-term solution. Before we move on, let us know your thoughts on Leody Tavares in the comment section below. And don't forget to give us a thumbs up. And now on to our next topic, the Rangers offseason plan. Today I'm going to give you our broad stroke of what the Rangers offseason plan should be. The offseason will officially begin at some point by the end of this week or the start of next week. Either the Phillies or the Astros will be world champions. That team will celebrate and the offseason will officially begin. Before that gets here, I figured I'd offer my outline of sorts of what I project the Rangers offseason to look like, or at least what I think the team is wanting it to look like. No offseason goes perfectly, and we've seen this franchise head into the offseason with big ambitions only to see them fall apart. You remember Peter Gammons tweeting about the Rangers landing Justin Upton? Yeah. That said, the Rangers owner has made it clear he is tired of losing. The team has the financial wherewithal, and perhaps more importantly, the reported willingness to go big in the free agent market this offseason. As of right now, the Rangers have around $110 million committed for 2023. Assuming they pick up their option on Jose Leclerc and keep all their arbitration-eligible players. The team also has a strong, deep farm system that they can use to add significant pieces via trade. They are well positioned to be buyers. The Rangers are going into the offseason with several holes to fill and will be looking to add players that can make them a playoff contender in 2023. And before you scoff at the notion of a 68-win team making such a leap, they underperformed their Pythagorean one-loss record by nine games in 2022. Unless you expect the team to have another historically bad record in one-run games, Regression to the mean in one-run games alone would result in roughly a 10-win improvement in 2023, which would mean adding 10 to 15 wins from outside the organization from internal improvement or from a combination of the two should get you into the playoff contention. With that in mind, here's our offseason outline for the Rangers. Number one, bring back Martin Perez, or find someone similar if you don't. This could be properly labeled step zero rather than step one. Once the trade deadline passed and Perez was still a ranger, the expectation has been that he would be back in 2023. Perez has made it clear he wants to return. The rangers want, eh, need him back, and contract discussions haven't been engaged in at various points. The deadline to keep an eye on here is the fifth day after the World Series end. That's the deadline for teams to make qualifying offers to free agents. And if the Rangers and Perez don't get a deal worked out by then, I'd expect the Rangers to make Perez the qualifying offer. This year, that equates to a 19.65 million salary for the 2023 season. Perez then has 10 days to accept or decline the qualifying offer. I still think a deal 
gets worked out between the team and Perez before the deadline for making a qualifying offer. However, if a deal isn't reached, then Perez likely takes the one-year $19.65 million offer. Either way, I expect the Rangers to have Perez back before the offseason really gets going in full force. If the Rangers don't bring back Perez, well, that's a problem. One that I will expand on in a future episode. Number two, get a number one starter. The Rangers currently have John Gray and a bunch of question marks in their rotation. Gray showed signs in 2022 that he could be a guy you'd feel good about starting twice in a seven-game series. But he struggled with injuries and inconsistency, and regardless, he's not a guy a team with playoff aspirations is going to want to be their number one starter. This is where I expect the Rangers to go big, unless Miami makes Sandy Alcantara available and the Rangers are willing to part with half their farm team. <clears throat> They'll be going the free agent route to fill this spot. So option one, Jacob Degrom. The Mets ace is almost certainly opting out of his deal with the Mets, which is due to pay him 32 million next year with 32.5 million team option for the following year. There's an argument to be made that he is the best pitcher in baseball when healthy. He had ju he just had a 308 ERA in 2022, but with a 2.13 FIP and he posted a Gibsonian 1.08 ERA in 92 innings in 2021 with a 1.24. The issue with DeGrom, of course, is health. DeGrom had elbow issues that ended his 2021 season early and a stress reaction in his right scapula that cost him half of the 2022 season. DeGrom had 200 plus inning seasons from 2017 to 2019. However, and threw 68 innings and 12 starts in the truncated 2020 season. So there's that. John Heyman linked DeGrom and the Rangers earlier this offseason with his recent injury history and entering his age 35 season DeGrom would seem likely to get a shorter-term, high AAV deal. Max Scherzer got a three years, $130 million last offseason. And Scherzer is almost four years older than DeGrom, but also didn't have the injury concerns DeGrom has. I'd say the Scherzer deal is probably the benchmark that would be used in negotiations, with DeGrom's reps wanting to use that as their floor. Option two, Carlos, Ro Carlos Rodon. The lefty who turns 30 in December only has two above-average seasons in his career. While dealing with a myriad of injuries, the two above-average seasons, though, have come in 2021 and 2022, when he put up a combined 10.5 B-War in 310 innings over 55 starts. The Rangers reportedly have strong interest in both DeGrom and him, and he might be option one instead of DeGrom. <coughs> You could consider Zach Wheeler's five-year $118 million deal as a comparable for Rodon in five years at $125 to $130 million, which seemed to be where I'd expect Rodon to land. Though a team may offer him a six-year as a way of topping the other bidders. And number three, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he's Clayton Kershaw. He'll be 35 next year, and he's not the guy he once was upon a time, but he's still Clayton Kershaw. The Rangers have coveted him forever. They went after him last offseason, but he returned to Los Angeles on a one-year $17 million deal. 
and had a strong season with 228 ERA and 126 innings over 22 starts. Last offseason, the word was he needed a pitch for the Dodgers or the Rangers, and that appears to still be the case. He has a home in University Park, which he had, had built in 2005, and there's been talk he would like to pitch for his hometown team before he hangs it up. Texas will no doubt go hard for him once again once he officially becomes a free agent. And option three, get another acceptable starter. This becomes two acceptable starters if the Rangers don't re-sign Martin Perez. And you can make the argument that even if they bring Perez back and land a torp, they should go get two more viable starting pitchers and, left and let Dane Dunning and company be depth. This would seem to be the area the Rangers would seem most likely to address via trade, especially if they land DeGrom. So you could either, so the first option regarding that would be trade for a Marlin starter. The option two would be a trade for a Brewer starter. And option three would trade for Shane Bieber. Or you could eventually trade for a mediocre Oakland A starter. And then at number four, get a DH or a center outfielder. The Rangers need another bat. One can argue that they should get two bats of the COFDH variety. And one would not necessarily be wrong, but there's a greater need to address starting pitching. And besides, there appears to be more viable internal solutions for dealing with the outfield and DH spots than the rotation. While Brandon Nimmo's main name has been bandied about, I think the Rangers are more likely to go short term here. Nimmo is likely looking at something similar to what George Springer got, and I don't think that's something the Rangers will be interested in. So about that, option one would be Michael Brantley. The Rangers have talked about improving the quality at-bats, and Michael Brantley would fit the bill there. He gets the professional hitter moniker, having put up a 307, 367, 465 slash line, and 2200 plate appearances. Good for 124 OPS plus with just 237 Ks against 180 walks. Brantley turns 36 in May and his season ended prematurely in 2022 due to right shoulder surgery. He has dealt with injury issues prior to 2022. He could be done or close to done, and if he's not, he may simply return to the Astros. But if Brantley is healthy, you're going to have a pretty solid lefty bat in your lineup at left field or DH. Option two, Joey Gallo. Probably the opposite of Brantley. Unlike Brantley, Gallo gives you value defensively in the outfield. Unlike Brantley, Gallo strikes out a ton. And whatever else he may be, he's not going to get the professional hitter label. Unlike Brantley, you have no idea what you're getting with Gallo. Gallo gives you a much higher ceiling and a much lower floor than Brantley. He never wanted to leave Texas, and he played poorly for the Yankees and Dodgers. A one or two year deal at an annual salary not much higher than the 10.28 he made in 2022 would be something one would think the Rangers would have interest in. Option three, Michael Conforto. Conforto missed all of 2022 after a down 2021 season. But before that, had been a solid 3-4 win outfielder for the Mets. He'll likely be seeking a longer-term deal, but if that's not out there, he could make sense on a one-year deal or a two-year deal with an opt-out after year one for Texas. 
Option four, Trey Mancini. Mancini's career arc has been unusual to say the least. A solid 2017 season that saw him finish third in the American League Rookie of the Year balloting, followed by a down 2018 season, then a strong bounce back in 2019. He then missed 2020 due to colon cancer, had a down 2021 season, started off strong in 2022, then fell apart once he was dealt to the Houston Astros at the trade deadline. With a 247-323-412 line the past two years and a combined 2.1 B war, Mancini will likely be looking at a one-year deal in 2023. Texas has had interest in him in the past, and his ability to play both outfield corners if needed, as well as first base, gives Texas some flexibility. They could, for example, go with Mancini at DH to roll with a stronger defensive outfield alignment, or allow Mancini to play the outfield to get Mitch Garver or one of the infielders a half day at DH. And number five, get a closer. While I'd argue that previous items on the list are needs, this may be more of a want than a need. That said, the Rangers don't have a definitive closer right now, and I'm not sure that the Rangers want to go into spring training with a question mark at that position. At the same time, with Jonathan Hernandez, assuming he is back, Jose Leclerc, they have a couple of pitchers with closer caliber stuff that they could turn to. If they choose not to add a closer, or if they add a veteran closer who struggles, so I think they'd like to add a veteran closer this offseason, but aren't going to go crazy about it or panic if they don't get one. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered in the comment section below. And now on to our next topic. Could Justin Verlander be the modern-day uh, Nolan Ryan for the Texas Rangers? The Rangers have pledged to make a splash in the offseason by acquiring quality pitching, and specifically top-tier starting pitching. Perhaps Justin Verlander? There are many big names that are being thrown around as potential fits for the Rangers, such as free agents Carlos Rodon, Texas native Clayton Kershaw, and even Jacob deGrom. Chris Young's phone is also likely to be busy in the trade market over the next few months, as there are a number of quality arms that could land in Arlington if the right deal is struck. One name, however, that hasn't really been thrown around much, but I feel like is worth digging into a bit, is the aforementioned Verlander. Yes, the ace of the rival Houston Astros. Could Verlander actually be the new ace of the Texas Rangers? The short answer, Absolutely. It will take some good fortune and a misstep or two by Houston for it to happen, but if it does, what beautiful symmetry. A little over three decades apart of dominant starting pitching in their 40s, Flayne Houston to come don the red, white, and blue of the Rangers. Verlander has a 25 million player option for next season, but barring an unforeseen injury during the World Series, he will test the free agent market. It could be that he simply re-signs with the Astros for more money and doesn't give other teams a chance. But if there is an opportunity, the Rangers need to be ready to pounce. In the past nine seasons, the Rangers have a record of .500 or more, only twice. 2015 and 2016, with the hiring of Bruce Bochy, a core group of top performers, a talented farm system, and a fame base that is itching to fill a new stadium for meaningful baseball, the pump is primed for great things in Arlington. The addition of Justin Verlander would help expedite the positive direction 
that the organization is heading. Not only would it be great to have him anchor the rotation, but it would also be equally as nice to not have him as the ace of the Astros. Granted, Houston has been able to win in a remarkable clip despite losing the likes of Garrett Cole, George Springer, and Carlos Carrera. But at some point, a team can have only so many top players leave and still remain at the same level. As the namesake of this very discussion, Nolan Ryan is a true Texas Rangers legend. When the Astros messed around and didn't re-sign Nolan, the Rangers, the Rangers excuse me, were able to sweep in and sign the powerful right-hander in 1989. In the nine seasons prior to Nolan signing, the Rangers had that same aforementioned record of 500 or better only twice. In 1989, the club needed a face of the organization and someone that could put the Rangers on the national stage. Nolan did just that, and even more. The 42-year-old came in and brought excitement to the Rangers and helped lead the team to a winning record in four of his five seasons in Arlington. The Rangers aren't the laughing stock of MLB that they were before Nolan arrived, but they are looking for someone to come in and transform the history of the organization securing that first ever World Series title. It will take Houston not offering JV a reasonable enough contract. It will also require Cy to pay a premium to get him to sign. But if he can make it happen, what a monumental shift of power within the AL West that it would be. 2022 marked the return of JV to the mound. He had been sidelined since 2020 with an elbow injury that required Tommy John surgery. Many people felt that he would just retire and sail off into the sunset. Boy, were they wrong. Toughness and work ethic are yet two more of the traits that JV and Nolan share. Not only did Verlander come back to pitch this year, but he is likely to win his third Cy Young Award in the process. His numbers this year were as good or better than ever before, which is remarkable considering how well he has thrown over his now 17-year career in 28 games at least in this season. Verlander was 10 years old when Nolan Ryan threw his last MLB pitch on September 22, 1993 in Seattle. It isn't hard to see who JV modeled his game after. I can't think of a better way for Justin Verlander to emulate his childhood idol than to come finish off his Hall of Fame career in Arlington. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Do you want to see Justin Verlander join the Rangers and call it a career in Arlington? Let us know. And now on to our next topic. Could the Rangers win the World Series in 2023? Most experts won't pick the Texas Rangers to win the 2023 World Series when they make their postseason predictions. Despite the hiring of three-time World Series champion manager Bruce Bochy and the expectation that Texas will invest significant money in free agency for the second offseason in a row, the Rangers still have a long way to go before the rest of the league takes them seriously as a contender. However, we've seen multiple teams in the past several years respond to a losing season with a World Series championship in the following year. In fact, since the playoffs expanded in 95, five teams have won a championship after finishing with a record below 500 the year before. We're going to take a look at who these five teams are and consider how the Rangers might bear similarities to each one. Starting off, 1997 Florida Marlins. In 96, they had an 80-82 record in the following year. In 92-70, 
record with an NL wildcard. What changed? The Marlins signed Bobby Bonilla to a four-year deal after the 96 season. He was coming off a 114 OPS Plus season and a championship series appearance with the Baltimore Orioles. They also traded for Cliff Floyd, but he didn't truly break out until the 98 season. How did they get there? After winning the NL wildcard, the Marlins swept the Giants in the NLDS before besting the Braves in the six games in the NLCS. The Marlins had home field advantage in the World Series and won in seven games. Hernandez was named the MVP of both the NLCS and the World Series. What could they have in common with Texas? The Marlins had three managers during the 96 season. After the season en ended, they hired Jim Leland, who had spent the past 11 seasons managing the Pirates. During that time, he won two Manager of the Year awards and finished as the runner-up two other times. His presence impacted the team in more ways than one. Bobby Benilla said himself that he signed with, with Florida because Jim was their new manager. Could Bruce Bochy have a similar effect on the Angels? I mean the Rangers, excuse me. Speaking of Angels, this time we look at the 2002 Angels. 2001 record, 75-87 third in the AL West. 2002 record, 99-63 on AL wildcard. What could, what could they have in common with the Texas Rangers? The Angels had to compete with two juggernauts at the top of their division. They couldn't even win the West after a 99-win season thanks to Oakland's 103-win finish that featured a 20-game midseason winning streak. If that wasn't enough, the Mariners won 93 games in 2002 after setting the MLB record for regular season wins with 116 in 2001. The AL West is currently loaded with the dreaded Astros heading to their fourth World Series in six years and the Mariners' competitive window seemingly wide open. The 2002 Angels are proof that there's still room for the third contender to emerge, and Rangers fans hope for a similar outcome in 2023. Next up, the 2003 Florida Marlins. The 2002 record, 79-83, fourth in the NL East. 2003, 91-71 record, the NL wildcard. What could they have in common with the Texas Rangers? The Marlins received significant contributions from top prospects during their 2003 run. <coughs> Excuse me. Miguel Cabrera made his major league debut on June 20th, hitting a walk-off home run in his first career game. He finished fifth in the NL Rookie of the Year voting. His teammate, Dontrell Willis, ultimately took home the award. Willis made his first career start on May 9th and finished the season with a 14-6 record and a 3.30 ERA. The Rangers farm system is currently loaded and there's a chance that multiple top prospects could have a significant impact on the 2023 team. We already saw Josh Jung make his major league debut last September. Jack Leiter, Owen White, and Justin Foscue are also knocking on the door. Next up, the 2013 Boston Red Sox. 2012, they had a record 69-93, fifth in the AL East, and then 2013, 97-65, first in the AL East. What could they have in common with the Rangers? The 2013 Red Sox are an important team on this list because they made the largest single-season improvement of any World Series winner since the wildcard era began. 
in 2012. The Red Sox only won 69 games and finished in last place in the American League East. They stormed back in 2013 to win 28 more games than the season prior, finishing with a 97-65 record and winning the AL East. However, their Pythagorean win-loss record of 74-88 in 2012 hints at the possibility that the team was actually better than what their record indicated. This year's Rangers can relate. According to stats, they sh the Rangers should have won nine more games in, in 2022. A major issue was the team's 15-35 record in one-run games. If the Rangers could simply go 500 in one-run games in 2023, it's easy to see how they could make significant improvements just like the Sox did in 2013. And that is our final topic for today. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Give us a thumbs up if you like our videos. Check us out on social media. Just search Talking Texas Rangers. And if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ttrangers. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, pay for you know, podcast hosts, and other essential financial needs. As always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. This has been the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered by tweeting us at TalkinTXRangers or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rangers. As always, thank you for listening and go Rangers.